on the move. Okay, if we take the patient in the hospitals, they remember our help and they follow us. If we treat the poor birds, they remember our help and they follow us, they follow Christ. And these are the ways to win the people. But most of the thing is when they accept Christ, then we immediately have to focus on their spiritual growth, having the Bible studies. If they have knowledge, strong knowledge about Jesus, they will remain in, in their faith. The Federal Democratic Republic of Nepal is a country shaped and scarred by its history and ongoing political tensions. The abolition of the long-reigning Hindu monarchy was marked by bloody massacres, civil war, censorship and political instability. In 2008, Nepal officially became a republic and in 2015, the parliament passed a landmark constitution which defines Nepal as a secular country. Ever since, religious freedom is a constitutional right. However, an anti-conversion law that came into force in 2018 means anyone convicted of encouraging someone to change their faith faces up to five years in jail. According to the BBC, in 1951 there were no Christians in Nepal and just 458 in 1961. But by 2011 there were nearly 376,000 Christians. Today, there are about 1.5 million. That is about 4.4% of the entire population of 30.5 million people. You are listening to God on the Move, a Lausanne Movement podcast. And this is a story about the goodness of God and his wondrous works in Nepal. The voice you heard earlier was Indra. I had the privilege to learn from him about the state of the church in Nepal. And here is his story. My name is Indra Buddha Mother. It's short name. I write BM and Mother is a caste in Nepal. I joined ministry in 2001. Initially, I started my ministry among the students and also I helped to establish the church in the far west Nepal. There were no church at that time in the city. And then in 2006, I moved to my city and till now I'm ministering in this city. I have two children, my, my wife, we are working together. My wife is working among the women. I'm especially helping nowadays in my church and helping in church planting. But initially, I worked with the campus students and also in the digital ministry using Facebook or other media tools. But nowadays, I'm helping in the digital ministry also for the young generation, training them. Also, at the same time, I'm working for the growth of the believers, conducting small group Bible studies in several places in my city. It's easy in the village area because they live in the small groups, small groups. So if one comes to know the Christ, there is more possibility. Many others may come to know Christ. But in the city area, big population, nobody cares someone is doing like that it's a little bit difficult to reach the city area people and city area people are busy also in the tarai area we have a strong cultural bondage some indian cultures people are living here and mountain area it's very easy to reach people because their home is in different little bit distance but in tarai area people's home are located in the near distance but if we go in mountain area, the homes are very fast. If we go to one home, other home don't know what is happening. So we can convince one home 
that home comes to Christ and that home can go to another home and that much considerable bondage also in the mountain area. I work in the community. They may be young people or any groups, any years or senior citizens or anyone. We are now working, focusing in the church planting uh, or establishing the sales sources. Especially in daytime, I study or prepare something or make phone calls to make arrangement that I'm coming in their places and make a schedules. And uh, we especially work in the evening time, go to place or in a certain places in the city. And then there we, we are now doing like a book of acts. People are eating together. Like we together food and some people help us to cook the food. And I help for the Bible study and the believers bring their many non-Christian friends. We conduct the Bible studies. Nowadays we are categorizing the people like children groups. We have other people who look over for the children's and our women's group, men's group like that. But sometimes combined group also. And in combined group, we also practice initially sharing the gospel about Jesus. And after they receive the Christ, we focus on the healing with the Holy Spirit. And then we teach them. We have certain books for the new believers growth. So we conduct from those books. So mostly nowadays I'm doing in the evening time and we work in the groups, not the singles, but sometimes in the daytime, we have to take the people in hospital. Like we have to care our disciples. They become sick sometimes to visit for the prayers. We need to take them hospitals. Sometimes in the daytime, I work with the young people. Young people are uh, seeking for the jobs and we advise them how to get the jobs or conduct a kind of counseling training about their career building. In Nepal, Christianity began to grow. Our democracy came in Nepal. That gospel was open to share in Nepal. The growth history is nearly 35 years now. But before that, it was a closed, totally closed country. No one heard about Jesus. But after democracy came, we had a little bit freedom from the government. But still some people are the anti-Christian movement. They are still opposing the Christianity. But the growth is very high. If we compare the church growth in Nepal, it's very high. Believers are growing, but the church uh, economically still churches are poor in Nepal. That's why we are not able to help the many workers in Nepal to send in other places. We mostly have a political influence from India. Like whatever happens in India, our political leaders are controlled or they follow whatever happens in India. In Nepal, some political leaders are following the same things. They want to, to establish it as a Hindu country, as our country is already mentioned a secular country. But some political leaders are demanding to establish Hindu country. It's to get the votes from the Hindu people. When listening to Indra, it's easy to be encouraged by the situation in Nepal. Christianity is spreading rapidly and new churches are planted at an exponential speed. Clearly, God is at work in this country. In 2021, the World Christian Database ranked the country as the 12th fastest growing Christian population in the world, saying that the main factor for growth is conversion from other religions. However, the political pressure that Indra expressed is far from being a small hindrance. It depends on the, the caste, like we have a caste system in Nepal. 
like higher caste, middle caste, lower caste, those who have higher caste or lower caste, they may have more problems to accept Christianity. But those who are in between, they have no no difficulties coming to Christianity because they don't have any family pressure or other like caste pressure. But higher caste, when they convert to Christianity, they may face cultural problem or family problem or some social problems. So some places, some higher caste groups, they totally oppose other people to become Christians. They find they have become Christians and they may mentally or verbally abuse people saying bad words to them, to the Christians. The high caste, they have a strong cultural bondage. They have some kind of rituals they need to perform. They put the tikas in the name of their gods. So in Nepal, when we become Christian, we should not put the tikka because it's related to the high caste religion. If they put the tikka, it describes the Hinduism rituals. People are afraid to become Christian due to due the tikka putting the color on the forehead. Or some people may have family pressures. They feel the prestige, social prestige is down. So they don't like to see others convert in their high caste. And also if they are Hindu priest, they lose their priesthood also. Hindu caste, one thing is benefit in Hinduism, caste description or discrimination. So people would prefer Christianity because they have a discrimination uh, in their religions. So uh, many low caste people coming to Christianity. So it's a kind of benefit also. But uh, some of the political leaders, they don't like that uh, whole group is coming to Christianity. They want to stay in the same religions. But the middle one, they may have less uh, pressure because uh, nobody cares what they are doing. Open Door still classifies the persecution level in Nepal as very high. Unfortunately, with increasing frequency, the country is beginning to see the physical harassment of Christians and damage to churches and Christian properties similar to the sort of incidents occurring in India on a regular basis. This nearly sounds like a contradiction to what we heard from Indra, but it made me think about what Caleb said in our previous episode about growing up in a conflict zone like Eastern Congo. Their understanding of safety and security, he says, is completely different from a Western understanding of such. Despite the tremendous pressures, Christianity is on the rise. But what strikes me most is the unbelievers' perception and the knowledge about Jesus. I have uh, many testimonies that many young people have received Christ and now some of them are in the ministry or some are source pastors. And one thing I want to tell about our family, around us, people know we are Christians. They know about us. And many Polish people, they know that healing is in Jesus. Even any Hindu people, they understand. In Hinduism, we have witch doctors practice the healing. And even the witch doctor, if they cannot heal, they recommend to go to the church for the healing. And we had one family near to us and they were not interested to know about Jesus when we used to share about Jesus. And we were from the same caste. It's easy for me to talk with them, to discuss about our cultural issues like that. I used to visit them. I, I used to share about the Jesus. But they say Christianity is okay like they used to say, but they never come to know about Jesus. He had three daughters and first daughter, second daughter, both were married. 
And one day, his foster daughter became sick. She used to have a, a kind of depression and uh, she used to speak alone in the home. And at that time, uh, we were invited in his home for the prayer. At that time, he never wished to come in the church. But at that time, he said, my daughter is in problem. Please come to my home and pray for her, he said. And then we went in that home. And when we were there, we conducted Bible studies, prayer meetings, and at that time, several other neighborhood also came uh, in the Bible study also. Then that whole family received Christ, and her youngest daughter and the first daughter both they received. And because of these daughters, their parents also, father and mother, they received Christ. And as the husband was from the higher caste than the wife, and uh, so he had some kind of uh, difficulty coming to the Christianity. But he said, for my daughter's sake, I will always come in the church, whatever happens in my life, he said like that. And then the family continually came to Christ. And because of this family, they introduced us to other family members also. We were able to take the Gospels to them and share how God worked in that family. And we had lots of conversation, prayer meeting, and lots of things happened in that home. This family was actually Orthodox Hindu. So now within two years of prayer, we have about 15 members from one family, around four homes and 15 members. Can you imagine Hindu witch doctors and people that they can't hear to receive prayer at a church because they know that healing is found in Jesus? And then there's a whole Orthodox Hindu family accepting Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, all starting with the request for prayer for healing. And this is not an anomaly. There are hundreds and thousands of testimonies like it. So this left me wondering, how do you approach the situation when someone from a completely different faith background asks for prayer for healing? We all know God is not like a vending machine where you just have to say the right prayer and out comes healing for miracle. So let's hear from Indra. We teach about the, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit and it is about the work of the Holy Spirit. Some may focus on pastoral care, some may focus on the, I forgot the English word, but Ephesians chapter 4, some pastors, some teachers like that. Several gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to apply our gifts, according to our gifts, to the ministry. In my experience, we have some pastors who only focus in the healing ministry and like some illiterate people when they come for prayers for healing. If they healed, they come to know Christ, they come in the church. But later, if they again become sick, they divert again because they think I'm not healed totally, I'm again sick. And so they think like that. So I thought that the most important thing is to help them grow in the Lord. We conduct the prayer meetings also, pray for the sick people, but mostly we help them in-depth knowledge about Jesus so that they remain strong in the faith. Initially, we use the spiritual laws booklet. Uh, it talks about God loves you and uh, it talks about how we became sinners and it talks about Jesus came for us. He died for us. If we believe in him, we'll get eternal life and we ask to receive the Christ. If they are interested, we lead them through prayer. After that, we have the Holy Spirit booklet. We use the Holy Spirit about dealing with the Holy Spirit and we conduct the follow-up booklets. We have uh, six booklets and then we have some Agape Discovery group and we ask the new believers to read the book of Jones when they are in the home. We start a Bible study from the book of Jones. 
So in my personal experience, I realized that prayers and studying the Bible every day that can transform their life by healing or like other help, like some are coming to the Christ through, through any help. If we take the patient in the hospitals, they remember our help and they follow us. If we treat the poor, they remember our help and they follow us, they follow Christ. And these are the ways to win the people. But most of the thing is when they accept Christ, then we immediately have to focus on their spiritual growth, having the Bible studies. If they have knowledge, strong knowledge about Jesus, they will remain in, in their faith. Otherwise, if we provide the food, or people come to Christ. If we, next time, if we don't give the food, they will divert and they end the same thing in the healing also. By the way, this completely aligns with the Lausanne Cape Town commitment. In section 2A1, it says, As disciples of Christ, we are called to be people of truth. 1. We must live the truth. To live the truth is to be the face of Jesus, through whom the glory of the gospel is revealed to blinded minds. People will see truth in the faces of those who live their lives for Jesus in faithfulness and love. And second, we must proclaim the truth. Spoken proclamation of the truth of the gospel remains paramount in our mission. This cannot be separated from living out the truth. Works and words must go together. So we urge church leaders, pastors and evangelists to preach and teach the fullness of the biblical gospel as Paul did in all its cosmic scope and truth. We must present the gospel not merely as offering individual salvation or better solution to needs than other gods can provide, but as God's plan for the whole universe in Christ. People sometimes come to Christ to meet a personal need, but they stay with Christ when they find him to be the truth. Before we continue with the story, I want to let you know that we want to share mission stories from the Global Church with the Global Church. So if you have a story to share or know someone who might have, please contact us as podcast at lausanne.org. That is podcast at lausanne.org. When I first contacted Indra, initially he was reluctant to share about the ministry publicly, not because of the risks from other extremist groups, but because of other Christians. There might be some misunderstanding because I'm not in the organization's main head in Nepal. If they hear this interview, they may ask a question, why did you give interview like that? <laughs> so I wanted to be safely to talk about it. And among the Christianity, it's a little bit like one pastor told me that they have difficulty working in Nepal, not because of the other groups, but because of Christianity. And if any missionary comes in Nepal, the pastors or anyone, they want to work with them. If they don't get any opportunity, then they may be angry or they may have some kinds of zealous. And that's why sometimes Christians stop the ministry. We are also facing this issue in different places. Or if a new ministry comes, they may face this issue. Till they establish here, they may have a challenge from the Christian groups because of the zealous and if they don't get any benefit, they may say that this ministry is not good or this is a false teaching, false group or any cult. They may say rumors of these things. Persecution is not from other groups, but it may come from the same Christianity group also. 
it might be greed or mostly they want to hold the power positions they want to control everything like it happens in the church also pastors are uh, controlling every other leaders and uh, that's why sometimes we can see the division in the church and I have seen these uh, things in Nepal in my early ministry that many sources divided because pastor was controlling and also pastor was afraid to send the new generation in Bible college because they thought insecure. If he goes to Bible college and come back, he may overthrow me from the pastoral work and he will become pastor like that because some did that also. So what I realized is we leaders could not give the clear visions to the younger generation and we didn't give any opportunity to the younger generation as they were growing in the leadership in the church. So nowadays what I'm teaching to the pastors, young pastors, if you feel someone is willing to establish the church, give him a clear direction after training and that he have to establish church in another locations, give him the locations or if you want to work in the same church, can make a management so that in one church we may have two pastors, three pastors, four pastors, so we can work together. So as Christianity was growing fastly, so we missed a kind of management in the church. That's why division occurred in Nepal. Having conflict in the church, it affects the new believers, those who are coming to church, that affect. They see the fighting in the church and they may not like this is happening. That conflict or any quarreling is happening in the church, so they may away from the church sometimes. So affecting mostly from the new believers also. And also like one denomination said uh, initially to another denomination, you are false. You are called like that. There was a kind of misunderstanding. It basically affected the new convert people. It certainly affect non-Christians also. Non-Christians uh, actually, they don't know what is happening within our church or within our home. But it is mostly affecting because of the false group. Like many false groups like Jehovah's Witness and nowadays many Koreans, they teach about the mother God also. They are coming in Nepal and they strongly share their faith, holding the mics in the street. And the other people, non-Christians said they are Christians because they have the Bible in their hand and they preach Jesus also. And when we talk, our friends, they said that we are same. In their eyes, they are also Christian, you are also Christian. And they compare that we have lots of God in Hinduism. And in Christianity also, you have similar things to this, like that, that you should have more gods. As you can imagine, there is so much more to say. More missionary stories to tell, testimonies of feeling and conversion, the incredible growth of the church or inner Christian conflicts. But our heart is not only to inform and encourage, but to inspire into action. Maybe there's something Indra shared that resonates with you. We hope that it will motivate you to take the next step. And further, we also want to urge everyone to pray for Nepal. So let's hear one more time from Indra. I would like to ask you to pray for the sources in Nepal, especially for the leadership. Let's need to develop more leaders because many people are coming to Christ and we have poverty in Nepal. So nowadays, what I feel is we have to focus on the poverty in the church also. 
many pastors are suffering, lacking the supports. So sometimes they have to leave the ministry because they need to go for overseas job. But if we can develop some jobs for them, it will be a bi-vocational work. So I'm also focusing in this area, in my place that we are the young pastors, I invite them and we discuss how we can start self-sustaining church. So we help them how to start business or teach them how to start business and your other ideas to make income for their livelihood also. And at the same time, we help the pastors train the skills, the sharing skills or any pastoral work skills like that so that they can minister the people well. So we need prayer that we need startup funds to help the pastors so they can establish their own business and remain in the ministry because people are very poor. Average churches are like some churches are having 20 or 30 believers and one pastor. So very few offering is coming in the church. So a church is not able to support the pastors. They need some kind of work so that they can sustain their ministry. So please pray that our future pastors, we can build up many pipe professional pastors. You've listened to God on the Move, Lausanne Movement Podcast, where we want to listen to mission stories from the global church. Through listening to what God is doing around the world, we hope to encourage and challenge the global church to faithful obedience to the Great Commission. So let's accelerate global mission together toward a vision for the gospel for every person, disciple-making churches for every people and place, Christ-like leaders in every church and sector, and kingdom impact in every sphere of society. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us for more.